All right, our kids can head up to Redemption Kids, and the rest of you can grab a seat. You can open up your copy of God's indestructible word to the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 12 today, and so, so thankful that by no mistake you are here today, no matter what your story is or where you are in your journey, God, I believe, has brought you here for his specific purposes, and so really thankful to see each one of you here today. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, hearing from what God has said there through a man named Paul. Uh, but as we get into this, maybe if you're, if you're new to Christianity, um, it would be really helpful for you to hear um, that when Jesus came to fulfill his mission, he did so in a very specific way. He had a specific plan to not only proclaim or teach the message of God, but to demonstrate what the kingdom of heaven looks like by the way he lived his life, all right? Uh, but, but as he did so, as he taught, as he told others what the kingdom of heaven is like and how they can enter into that kingdom of heaven and have a restored, vibrant relationship with the God who made them, he had other people around him, right? Specifically 12 men who traveled very closely, but it wasn't just men, it was men and women, hundreds who were consistently hearing his message. And why was this so strategic? Well, hopefully you're already connecting the dots. As he was teaching, they were hearing so that when he departed, they could teach what he taught. You see how that works. And, and not only that, not only that, but the, the powerful works of the kingdom of God. The miraculous healings, the, the, the care for the marginalized, the serving of the poor. Oh, when Jesus was, was doing all of these things, he had people around him who he said, look, you see how I've lived my life. You see what I've been up to. Now you go and do the same. In six words in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus gives some of the most powerful transformational words that, in a very real sense, sum up the essence of the Christian life, all right? Freely you have received, freely give. And so if you are in Christ today, this is your story. Freely you have received, freely give. If you, are, if you are new to Christianity, then what I want to say to you is, hey, look, guess what? This can be your story. You can come to understand what it means to freely receive from God so that you can take what you receive from God and give it away to others. And so this is, this is so crucial for us to, to understand. I think it's one of the, it's one of the arguments for the validity and the, and, and the, and the truthfulness of Christianity, I, I really believe, because we live in a culture, we live in a world where deep down we know that, that this, is not, this is not what we hear in the culture. This is not how uh, we're, we're wired to, to live our lives, right? I mean, what we hear is freely you have received, receive some more. <laughs> huh? Freely receive some more. Or, or if not that, then this. Freely you have received... So, you know, when you give a little something, expect a little some some in return. You know, you know how that works, right? Like, and that's contractual, right? I mean, 
Uh, Miroslav Vov says that uh, there are three ways that this giving and receiving works. There's either like the coercive method where we steal from one another. Um, there's the sales method where it's, it's buying and selling. Okay, it was like you, you give in order to get something back, right? But, but the way of the kingdom is giving and receiving. It's giving gifts. You've, been received, you've received gifts, and so we give gifts in return. And so this is what I want us to see today from the life of Christ and the values of his kingdom. God made every single one of us. That includes you. That includes, I know we come to church, we sing, and we, like, you know, you know, pastor's up there doing his thing, and this is, you know, this is for someone, you know. This is for you. He wants to reveal his power through you as you serve other people. That's what I hope you see from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. Reveal the power of God as you serve others. So I'm going to read this for us. You can follow along in your own Bible, Bible app on the screen, 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read the first 11 verses for us. That's what Paul writes. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Pause, side note, there's a presentation of the Trinity, God exists, Father, Son, Spirit. There you go. But it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Verse 7, key verse. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. What we see here and what is so clear from Paul's specific and, yes, repetitive use of language is that he wants to see that when God starts bringing people together who say, I follow Jesus, I follow Jesus, Jesus is my Lord. This is what we're going to hear in these stories and the baptism. The central confession of a Christian is Jesus is Lord. He's king. He's, he's, he's the one that I live for. He's the one that I, yes, worship. And so when, when people say that together, he brings us together, but he, he gives different gifts to each one, to serve together in a unified way. And so there's this, there's this beautiful diversity in the midst of unity, the same God giving for the same purposes. 
And so that's what I want us to see today. I want us to see the the diverse unity of the church, that that God is giving different gifts, but he's the same God. He appoints different service, but for the same goal. And there are different manifestations, but the same glory that we are after in each and every circumstance. And so first, let's, these, these first 11 verses introduce this idea of different gifts, but the same God giving these gifts. What Paul does in the first three verses here is that uh, he's, he's introducing a topic. He does this a lot in 1 Corinthians, by the way. It'd be great sometime this week, just read through 1 Corinthians, and you're going to see that he's addressing different problems and circumstances in the church. One of these is clearly the practice of spiritual gifts. So that's why in verse 1 he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. And what he's getting at here is that he wants them to see that all genuine activity of the Spirit happens in alignment with the central confession of Christianity that I just shared, Jesus is Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And and, and so what we're seeing here, what, what Paul's getting at is that every good thing we do is happening by the Spirit of God, someone who is saying, Jesus is my Lord, I've received these gifts as a love gift from him, and everything I'm doing for him, I'm doing it out of a love for him. It's from him, it's for him. And so, what is a spiritual gift? This term that we see uh, throughout chapter 12 and 14, we can't get into chapter 14 today, but I would encourage you to read through it. What is a spiritual gift? Well, to understand this, we need to rewind just a little bit, all right? Earlier in this book, we would discover that for someone who places their faith in Jesus Christ, God moves them. This is what baptism shows us, all right? He moves them from a place of, are you right, spiritual death to spiritual life. He makes someone brand new on the inside, and he gives them his Holy Spirit. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And so if you are in Christ, God has given you his Holy Spirit who actually dwells in you right now. And when God gave you his spirit, he gifted you to Use those gifts to serve the people around you. Spiritual gifts are activities of service that are characterized or controlled by the Spirit. Okay, that that phrase, characterized or controlled by the Spirit, that that explains the spiritual part, controlled by the Spirit. But they are also clearly from God, okay, so, so they are given as gifts, they are dropped onto us, they are deposited by God as he's given us the Holy Spirit. So if we, we went back to Ephesians 4, we'd see that when Christ ascended, he gave gifts to men. In other words, Jesus is reigning now, and as he's reigning, he is pouring out his spirit on his people and giving gifts to us so that we can serve other people. Now, there are a lot of questions around spiritual gifts, And I do not have the time to cover all of them today, but I want to help us as much as I can, all right? So so what is a spiritual gift? I I like how Wayne Grudem, um, theologian, this thick book, Systematic Theology, uh, this is how he defines a spiritual gift. He says it's this, it's any ability that's empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. 
all right? It's, it's any ability empowered by the Holy Spirit used in any ministry of the church. And so what I like about this definition is it recognizes the list in Scripture. Okay, as we just read here in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 11, there are gifts like teaching and healing and prophecy and, and uh, speaking in tongues. And, and, and uh, the list goes on, healing, faith. But then there are other lists like Romans 12 where he's talking about service and leadership and mercy and giving generously. Um, And so what Grudem is pointing out is that these lists, though they are important, and so we certainly know that God gives these gifts to people, I don't think that they are restricted just to these lists. Like, they're only gifts that God gives, and, you know, that's all we have in the Bible. And I want to say that we believe all of these gifts are for today. Our God is the same God. And I can't wait. I just, last Sunday, I was on this little, you know, preaching. Hopefully, it wasn't a rant. But I I was talking about God at work and the dreams and the visions. And we believe that God can move mountains and that he can save hundreds of people, right, in our city. And and, But why? Because he's the same God, right? And so the Lord just whispered to me that afternoon, you need to preach a series one day. And the series title is going to be, guess what? Same God. I can't wait. I don't even want to go on sabbatical this summer. I just want to come back. And, uh, so, um, so, 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 but, but then, like, I know, I know, I know how this works. And, and quite frankly, there was a long part of my life in, as, a, as a Christian where I didn't really, I didn't really understand 1 Corinthians 12. And you know what? I really didn't see it. You know, I wasn't seeing miracles. I wasn't seeing healings. And, and, and so, quite frankly, I don't know if I really believed it deep down. You know, it's like, well, God is God and He can do anything. But is he really working in these ways today? And I've come to the place where I believe and have experienced he is. But but we still ask the question, like, well, well, why aren't we seeing it, right? Like, why aren't we seeing it on the regular? Why why, why haven't I been a part of that? Well, here are just a few considerations for us to really think through and wrestle through. And one day we'll talk more about these in greater detail. But I think one one of the thoughts is this. Perhaps you've seen God work in these ways you just didn't recognize. Number two, here's another reason. I'm super convinced of this one. Maybe God has not given you these gifts because you haven't asked. You have not because you ask not. And we see this all throughout chapters 12 and 14. Look at verse 31 in chapter 12. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Like want something that God wants to give you. Or uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and what? Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then in verse 12 and 13 and 39, all this like go after these, desire them, ask God. So what what does this do? This dispels the myth There's no verse in the Bible that says when you receive the Holy Spirit at your conversion, God makes you new, he makes you born again, that he gives you all the gifts that you'll ever have. That can't be true because it contradicts what it says right here. And so ask God to not only fill you with the fruit of his spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, boldness, wisdom, etc., humility, all right, but ask God to gift you for the benefit of serving other people in however he wants to do that. But then number three, and this one's, this one's, we talk about being extra ready for worship today, this one's extra convicting to me, to me, 
but I want to share for your benefit too. Matt Chandler, in a, in a sermon on this topic, said, perhaps the reason we do not see the spiritual gifts in practice today, as we read about in the Bible, is because we do not live lives that require them. You step out in faith and watch God show up. We need to start stepping out. There's, there's a vast mission that God has invited us into. And I just got to say that, that, that I don't, I don't want to live. I don't want to live a life that is so casual and so comfortable. And yes, oftentimes then it gets to this complacency where I'm not living a life that requires the power of God in me to release to other people. Welcome to Redemption Hill. I'm super laid back when I'm not preaching, all right? So that's how it works. All right. Maybe it's something about the spiritual gifts of, you know, teaching and leadership. Hopefully it is. All right. So I know we have more questions around this, right? We can't get into all of them today. But here's the main point. Okay, don't miss this. Here's the, here's the main point. Different gifts, but the same God giving those gifts. And Sam Storms asked this question in his book on the Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. Okay, he, he, I love this. He says, is it God and the gifts? All right, listen to this. Is it God and his gifts or is it God in his gifts? It's God in his gifts. And he goes on to say this. He says, spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. God's gifts, his work through us. Different gifts, same God. Number two, different service, same goal. All right? Different, different service, same goal. Let, let me read uh, the rest of the chapter here for us, and then we're going to break this down and understand some implications out of them. Verse 12, For just as the body is one, and many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you you still a more excellent way. He gets this, this chapter on love and how everything that we do is to be done in love. And so as we, we think about this idea of different service, but the same goal in the service, what, is, what does Paul mean? Well, again, there is a beautiful unity in this one body of Christ, all right? Everyone together, we've been talking about this in this series, Symphony, a diverse unity, that we all come from different backgrounds. We have different color skin, praise God. We have different ages in this church. We, we have different educational experiences and vocations and different personalities, and, and God is bringing all of this together. He's composing and arranging all of this together, and he's saying, hey, you, you guys are going to really serve effectively and powerfully here, and, and you guys over here, you guys are going to take care of this. And I mean, if, if our church was was like me, like everyone in our church was like me, all right, we would be loud in big dreams, but we would get very little done. <laughs> Father, give me the gift of administration today, Lord. <laughs> hey, I've grown a little bit, Pastor Reddy. I've grown a little bit. Um, see, and that's what happens in the body. That's the symphony, right? I mean, Pastor Reddy. I need Pastor Reddy in my life. I need, I need Dave back here. Dave had this uh, leather man. He was like already fixing things before I even knew. I was like, man, that thing's rickety. He was like fixing it. I would have never even, you know. Thank you, Lord, for the diversity of the church. See, here's the point. The part you have to play in this church has value. And don't you say it doesn't. I'm going to speak to you last week was like a father, encourage, exhort, and charge. Okay, I'm just going to talk straight up. Do not say that your role in this church does not have value. And why is that so important? Why can I say that with such passion? Because if God has given you a gift, how dare you say that it's not good? How dare you say it's not valuable? This is what was going on in Corinth, it seems. Some were saying, like, oh, man, I'm not like the Apostle Paul. I'm not up there teaching. I don't have that singing gift, you know. I'm just, I'm just out here setting up signs. I'm just serving. I'm like, there's a, there's a man in our church when I was in, in college. I was the, the, the youth ministry intern. How many of you know that I was a professional intern before I became a pastor? Seriously, 10 years. 10 years of interning. Four with my church in college, and then six in the seminary. I worked there for one of the leaders of the school. And, um, and so there was this man in, in our youth ministry. His name was Chip Brown. It's almost, it's almost hard. To, every Wednesday night, Chip was the last one to leave. 
He was pushing the broom. He was stacking chairs. Here I am, this 20-year-old intern. I'm like, yo, Chip, I, I, let, me help you, let me help you finish. He's like, no, get out of here. Man. Go, go have fun. Go do like... The kingdom of God advances because of the Chip Browns of the kingdom. It's all of us working together. We all play a valuable part. To function properly, we need eyes, ears, mouths, arms, elbows, and pinky toes in the church. We all have a valuable part to play. So my encouragement then is play your indispensable part. Play your indispensable part. I love, 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 love verse 22. And this is why I just, you know, just read the Bible and you're just going to see like treasure popping out everywhere. Um, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did you, did you, you saw that, right? It appears that they're weaker. It appears that they're not as significant. It appears that they're not as valuable. But you take that part away and everyone else suffers. They're not invaluable. They are indispensable. Whatever your role in this church is today and whatever it is tomorrow and five years from now, it is an indispensable part. Somebody say, I am indispensable. Come on, say it like you believe it. I am indispensable. All right, a little one more time. Somebody say. I am indispensable. Now look to your neighbor and say this. You are indispensable. Yeah, 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 I love it. I love it. You know what? You know what I love? You know what I love? I love awkwardness. I know that's a little awkward. <laughs> But, but there's, there's a point there, right? There's a point there. We need to see one another as indispensable. We need to remind one another that you're indispensable. Because again, just let me be a, a father up here today. They're, 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 this happens in every church, so our church is not unique. Let me, let me first say, man, there are so, 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 we are where we are today because we have a church full of gifted people. It's been this way from the beginning. Gifted people who are serving and exercising their spiritual gifts. If you think it's because one or two or three bozo pastors, you know, they're like the church is what it is, that's false, all right? So, so gifted. Such a serving community. And yet, there are some of you today that, that you haven't stepped into serving and exercising your spiritual gifts, either because you're saying, I'm not needed, I don't have a valuable role, I'm dispensable. So if that's you, hopefully we corrected that today, the God who gives gifts. Or perhaps you're saying, Man, I have something to offer, but just look at all these people in the room, man. Everything is covered. And I can assure you, because we want to keep mush, pushing this mission forward, and we want to keep seeing God change lives every single Sunday, every single week, that there are opportunities for you to serve in this church, be it with the kids upstairs, be it on the connections team or the venue team or the AV team or the music team or the communications team or the prayer team or multiple teams. We have more teams than that. Okay, but you get the point. 
one of my prayers today is that you see this little, we have this little worship guy. Hopefully some of you are taking notes. You know, a sermon may not be whatever, but, you know, you fake, fake it for me. Uh, and you're taking notes. But then at the bottom, we have this next steps card. And my prayer today is that at least 10 of you would say, you know what, I'm going to step into serving. I'm going to step out so that God can show up in my life and use me to serve other people. Because as we serve, we are all serving in our diverse ways, different ways of serving. We are chasing after the same goal. And what is that goal? Verse 7 is, is so crucial. Okay, if you, don't, if you don't remember any other verse or you don't underline any other verse, underline verse 7. It says this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. Chapter 14 will echo this language of building up. So we exist to serve one another, to strengthen one another, and encourage one another in Christ as we're family growing together and pushing the mission of God forward in our city. And so what's the picture here? Gifts come down to us to flow out through us to other people. Do you see that? God gives gifts to us. Freely we have received, freely we give. And Miroslav Vov says this, he says, every gift, I love this, every gift breaks the barrier between the sacred and the mundane and floods the mundane with the sacred. When a gift is given, life becomes extraordinary. Why? Because God's own gift giving flows through the giver. Different service, same goal. For God to work through you to build up the people around you. Then number three, number three. Different manifestations, same glory. Different manifestations, same glory. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So so check this out. Okay, don't miss this. Service focuses on our role, all right? manifestation focuses on God's role, what he is doing through us. What, what is a manifestation? When something, I, I got to, you know, pre, we just make these decisions as we go. We prepare a sermon. It's like, should we use this word or that word? It's like, it's right there in the text, but it's not a common word we use, so we should use another word. It's like, no, I'm going to use this word. Manifestation, it's when something that was once concealed becomes revealed. It's when the Spirit of God becomes visibly evident in our lives. That's what God's doing when we exercise the spiritual gifts. So the spiritual gifts, the ultimate purpose is for God's power to be on display, received from God. They point others as we serve back to God. You see that? Receive them from God, flowing to others, they point others back to God. By the way, that's the sermon title, The You in You. The You in You. God wants to use you so that you can point others to him. Sam Storms again says, spiritual gifts are concrete disclosures of divine activity and only secondarily human activity. Gifts are God going public among his people. Wow. Wow. 
Where, where did, where, let, me, let me translate this because some, some of that's not resonating yet. Okay. When we serve, in our serving, the goal is not, oh, wow, man, you know, Don, Pam, you know, Matthias. It's wow, God. Man, God, God led them to, to give up their time. God led them to, 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 to serve in that kind of way. They just have so much joy, and they're so, they're so generous in, in giving of themselves for the sake of others. They're so effective in how they're pouring themselves out. So two quick implications of this. Number one, if the gifts manifest God's glory, then they should humble us and not make us proud. They should humble us. This really bothers me because I can see it in my own life. And I know the temptation, at least, certainly is. But I, and we see it so often in the church. We receive the, the gifts of God and the twisted reality is that we receive the gifts from him. And then somehow we begin to kind of take credit for it. You know what I'm saying? It's like God's empowered us to do this. Sometimes it's just so Satan works in these subtle ways and you get people encourage you, a little pat on the back, and you, all of a sudden you start thinking it's about you, right? I mean, these celebrity pastors, can we just get over celebrity pastors together? I mean, no, no hate. I'm not trying to hate on anyone. And, and sometimes that's maybe not, not the goal that there is just how, what maybe people are creating around them or whatever, but... What do we have that we have not received? Everything is, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, by the way. What do we have that we have not received? To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. Verse 11, God apportions. Verse 18, God arranges. Verse 24, God composes. Verse 28, God appoints. This is from him. These are from him, and they are to be lived out so that the glory goes back to him. The church is not an arena for us to demonstrate our talents. The church is a family in which we get to display God's love and care for us and the world through one another. And so... If these are about God's glory, they should humble us and not make us proud. Then number two, I love this, they should pull others into that same glory. And so, so here's what I want you to think about. If, if to each is given a manifestation for the common good, it's possible that the, the primary and, and almost the only focus there in the context of 12 and 14, the immediate context, is the building up of the body of Christ. That is certainly the common good, building one another up, that's clearly focused on the church, okay? But as God going public among his people happens, and we are loving one another and serving one another and showing the love through serving one another, Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, so the, the end of the spiritual gifts is not just a family benefit. The end of the spiritual gifts is to build one another up so that other people can see how glorious he is and say, I want in on that glory too. Thank you. If, if not, 
If not, then let's like edit out chapter one for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Chapter two, for I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus. Chapter three, I'm building a foundation. Christ is the cornerstone and we're gonna keep building. What are the building blocks? More people coming into the kingdom of God. And listen, <laughs> I love this. As we build one another up, as we're a faithful community to live like family, we are a family that is on a mission. And so to be unified in Christ is to be unified under his directions. And he gave us a mission, which is to make him known all over the earth. And so we can never assume or conclude that the spiritual gifts are just this for one another in the church. No, they're for one another in the church, and they are for us to also. And this is, I mean, yeah, we get into evangelists and teachers, and words of prophecy and going out and God disclosing things and lighting people up, and they don't even know God, and they're like, that's how they're coming to faith in God is because God is just doing all of that. He, you know, like, God heals people, and then guess what happens when God heals someone that doesn't believe? It's kind of hard for them not to believe after that point. You know what I'm saying? We should pray for that. We should pray for that. And so I need to wrap this thing up. But let me, so let me just ask you this. Let me just ask you this. How are you using your God-given gifts? How is God working through you to bring his life and goodness to the people around you? I can promise you that if you will step out, God will show up. And, and, and as he shows up and he works through you, not only will other people benefit, but you will receive massive amounts of joy because you are being who God created you to be. So I just want to pray for us. I want you to ask God, God, show me my next step. If, if, if as we step out and God shows up, then the, then the next question is, what's our next step? And so I just want you to pray into that as we pray here this morning. God, thank you for your spirit-given word that teaches us about spiritual gifts. And Father, it's our prayer today that we wouldn't simply hear but that we would hear and we would obey. And so, God, there is, there is, wow, so much potential in this room. As I look out and I see each person that you have made in your image to know you and to make you known and to love and serve one another. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do amazing things in our church family, Lord. That, that, that we would live like family in such a way that we can't wait to get back together, that we can't wait to, to serve one another on Sunday, serve one another through the week, serve our community together, make Christ known as you powerfully work in and through us. 
And so, God, I just even thank you publicly that as I go on sabbatical here this summer and am off for a, a season of time and just resting and recuperating for the next 30, 40, 50, however old years I'm going to live, Lord, that I know that this church is in your hands, safe hands, and will continue to move out serving in powerful ways. Oh, God, I can't wait to get back and hear the stories of how you're changing us and changing our city as you're working powerfully through us. And so, God, would you do it? Would you do it? Would you give us your heart, your gifts, pour out your gifts on your people that we might serve you and serve the people around us? We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.